You're listening to the Jisco Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz from RAGBRAI. This is the podcast where we talk about bicycles just for the fun of it. There's going to be tales from bicycling across the nation, and that's because we're on the other side of the nation right now. We're in sunny St. Pete Beach, Florida for the National Bike Tourism Conference. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the social side of bicycling. Come for the bike, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Well, it's hard not to smile down here in sunny St. <laughs> Pete Beach. I'm feeling no pain. Yeah. it's. Uh, I think there were flurries when we left Des Moines. And to come here and it's about 80 degrees is not too bad. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, yeah, we're uh, we're having a good time here, but uh, we're also this is I mean this is a real kind of battery recharging learning experience from us because we talk to tourism professionals, even destination managers and and uh, and event managers from across the country who do some really unique things. And I I have to say that we've picked up plenty of ideas from from this event. You bet. And I think anything, bike tourism is really, anytime you're taking your bicycle and riding it, spending dollars and cents riding and enjoying your bicycle outside your home base. So if it's driving two hours to go ride at a cool rail trail or going down to the Katy Trail, if you're, you know, going to St. Pete Beach and riding bikes, I mean, that's all, all bike tourism. Or, you know, there's people that ride their bikes across the country. And all of that is considered bike tourism. And it's not just what you would think, oh, you know, they're, they're going to Europe to, you know, cycle across, you know, Ireland or something like that. I mean, bike tourism comes in all different shapes and sizes. And, and this conference really brings together, you know, people from all walks of life that are, you know, maybe a small B&B that specializes in cycling or, you know, a, a community such as a Joplin, Missouri, that really has a great interest in cycling. So it's a, I really look forward to this each and every year. Um, and I think we, we've got a guest that is actually attending as well, um, who many of our listeners probably know this gentleman. It's Craig Cooper from Grinnell. Coop, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for inviting me. And, and what brings you to sunny St. Pete Beach, Florida? Well, you know, this is like our, I think, our fifth year of attending the uh, Bicycle Tourism Conference. And I think we're probably one of the only bike shops that are here, or at least have been historically. But quite honestly, we gained some terrific ideas on how we uh, implement a lot of the stuff that we do in, you know, in and around bicycles. Um you know, obviously the Ragbri Charter, and we pick up a lot of great ideas for what we do there, as well as the gravel tourism, you know, in and around Grinnell. So um, I actually value this conference even a little more than our uh, than our, our trade, you know, our trade show conference or our trade show. Uh, seems like there's great ideas. So what is the trade show for the for the bike shop owner like yourself? Now? Uh, what, the, what would you it, consider it? It's. I was going to say most bike shop owners go to uh, a, a national trade show called Interbike, um, and uh, historically that's been where a lot of our vendors display merchandise. Um, there, there are a few other regional shows. There's one called Cabdo, the Chicago Area Bicycle Dealers Association. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of gaining some steam coming back. Uh, the regional shows are um, are a little less expensive for the manufacturers and vendors to to work with and so i think those get a little more traction uh, as time goes on cool 
Well, always glad to see you and April out here. Uh, I wish more bike shops. I mean, the relationship that you take as a, as a bike shop is more than just a bike shop. I mean, you fully immerse yourself in the bike industry and, and not just can we sell a bicycle to a to an individual. It's, it's more than that. And you've taken that philosophy. And I think it's really helped in your whole business plan to understand that it's more than just you know, person A walks into the bike shop, do they leave with a bike? Right. Well, and I think, you know, the, the, the bicycle business for us isn't really all business. It's, it's, a, it's a way of life. I mean, it's what we live. Um, and I've never claimed to be the cyclist that rides the most miles of anyone, you know, around. But, um, you know, I, I've had basically... 50 something years old i've had a you know a almost 40 year love affair with bicycles mm. the bike's been good to you that's you've, good now you've done everything you've ridden across the country you like gravel uh you've ridden road with us on ragbri what uh what's your favorite what do you enjoy well you know the the truth is is that i enjoy any time that i can get on my bike and have that connection of and I think most people can relate to that independence that they had as a, as a child, even of being, you know, that first time away from their parents or whatever, you know, riding down the block, you know, the bicycle is like an old friend. It, it brings that, uh, it brings that back every time that you, you know, you get that connection. And for me, it can be commuting back and forth to work you know i can i can find that in that in that afternoon i've also found that you know in the middle of i would say nowhere you know uh somewhere in new mexico where there's not a telephone pole or a tree for you know 15 miles or 20 you know I mean, mm-hmm. who knows you can't see it and uh and it's just you and a bicycle and and a highway um and so i guess to answer your question, Mark, it's any time that I make that connection where I'm riding the bicycle for me, not necessarily for some other some other reason. Good answer, Coop. Good answer. <laughs> so what else are we going to do out here? Anything else? Any interesting topics coming up, Mark, this week? You know, all kinds of things. I think Adventure Cycling's here, and they always have uh, a lot of interesting bike tourism stuff to talk about. Um, I know one of the things we're working on is a U.S. bike route. Sure. Um, I think it's 29. I hope I got the number right. Uh, runs the Lewis and Clark Trail uh, from Sioux City down to Hamburg. And we've, we've had that on f- uh, previous episodes of this show talking about that. But we're trying to take that now to the next level and make that an Ashto approved U.S. bike route. Uh, and that'll be pretty cool. So that's one of the things that I'm Neat. kind of interested to talk about uh, while we're here. Yeah. And, and this conference is not just locals. We have people from even outside our, our country that come in. I know we've got a couple of people. Oh, uh, I think someone from Germany, someone, um, you know, several different European, I think Holland's uh, coming. So um, and, and it's interesting, you know, seeing this, the kind of stuff that they have over there in Europe. And I think, uh, you know, the states are trying to get to, you know, some of the a little bit closer, some of the bike routes and, and bike holidays that people take. So, I mean, literally, you can learn so much from just putting those people in the same room and just talking out issues, challenges, 
um, you know, great successes mm-hmm. and stuff like that and see what translates back here in the States. There was a really cool speaker last year that talked about the German bike routes that mm-hmm. uh, you could, uh, you know, turn by turn signs and they had maps and, and then they voted on it like a Michelin star where if you were a five-star rated route, they were going to promote you. If you were a one-star rated route, you need to work on your stuff. Yeah. And I was like, that is so cool, but that is su- has such potential for Iowa and could be could be a really amazing thing all over the, the Midwest. But Iowa in particular, with our road route structure, you know, we got a lot of opportunity there, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? You bet. Well, always look forward to this, this conference. Um, it's been going on for 28 years guy by the name of Don Benson actually started up this this organization back when he was running Ragbri in the marketing and promotions department of the Des Moines Register and there was lots of rides that we want to be just like Ragbri and so a handful of those charter members started up this organization formerly known as the National Bicycle Tour Directors Association but you know 28 29 years ago Don Benson is the pretty much the founder of this organization All right. Well, we've got plenty of things on today's show. I know Murph has got an interview with Jenny Lorenz, who's a triathlete, and Murph talked to her. We also have a parrot talk coming up about keeping your bike safe. Um, There's several ways to do that. And um, one of the the things I think, you know, it's not just locking your bike. It's about being smart. So I know uh, Bikes You is one of our sponsors of of this podcast. I'm sure uh, there's several ways that, you know, you can get a good lock. I know, you know, you walk into your local bike shop, Coop. Is that probably the best way to do it? Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about locking your bicycle, I would, the very first thing I would say is that, and it sounds incredibly simple, but using the lock, it's, it's crazy how many people buy a lock, have a lock, and then at some inopportune moment, they don't use the lock and then, (laughs) and then their bike, unfortunately, uh, goes, uh, you know, goes away. So, you know, I, I, I think it's less about what kind of lock you have. Now, I know there are environments where you have to have a better lock than others, but the truth is, just get a lock and use it. <laughs> there you go. We're good. All right, we've got lots on the show, so let's get to it. Hello, Just Go Bike podcast listeners. This is Kathy Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and with me today is Jenny Lorenz. Hey, Jenny, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kathy. Thank you. A little background. Jenny is an Uber athlete who participates in countless events each year. We're talking triathlons. We're talking uh, probably running events, biking events. I believe you were just participating in the Beer Mile, which you were the only female participant, but we'll get into that later. Um, Along with all that, Jenny is the president and CEO of Linaria Credit Union. She's married with two great kids. She's raising a puppy. Lola or Layla? Lola. Lola. She is active in the community. Jenny has competed in the Kona World Championships three times and the 70.3 World twice. And these are, ch- these are a championships that you have to uh, qualify for to be in. Amazing. So let's get started. So Jenny, what exactly is an Ironman triathlon? Well, an Ironman tri is... Um, you start with a 2.4 mile swim, and then a 112 mile bike, and then you run a marathon. And that's like over two week period, or 
<laughs> Wait a minute, it's in one day. Yeah, it? it's in one day. One event. Do you yeah. like stop and have a beer at some point or grab lunch? Well, that would be nice, but no. <laughs> um, the, the, the idea is to keep always keep moving. Wow, it's, that just sounds amazing. And then obviously, you do you bike and run in the same outfit that you swim in? Is it kind of one of those yeah, deals? Yeah, I do. I mean, there are some people that may change into running shorts or whatever for the run part of it. I don't, I just wear the yeah, same thing. You don't want to waste any time, right? No, I don't want to waste any time. What's a typical time frame for a, an actual full Ironman? Well, the, um, the cutoff, you have to be completed within 17 hours. The entire event, like... You're competing for 17 hours. Some people compete for 17 hours. Yep. Right? Some people compete for 17 hours. And, um, but it, it'll vary from race to race in a race like Kona when you're at Worlds where it's got the, you know, the best of the best. The, uh, the pro men wh who compete for a living will finish just in right around eight hours. Wow. That's just amazing. I've got to remember that next time I'm hungover, laying on the couch all day long and then all I do is get up and go to bed. <laughs> People have done full Ironmans in that same amount of time. Yeah, wow. 140.6 miles to in total. That's just, it's amazing. It takes a special person to do that. So how long have you been competing in triathlons? I've been competing, I, I went back and I looked and, and just not just recently because somebody had asked me that question and I did my first race in 2002. Oh, okay. So I've been competing um, th this year that I'm starting training for will be my 16th year. Wow. So you've been, so basically you've been doing this as an, a grown up, as an adult. Yeah. So do I you didn't, my first race I did when I was 40. Oh my gosh. So do you remember why or how you got started? You know, I'd, I, uh, I was a runner in high school and college. And so I came from a run background and, and I still ran a lot just for recreation. And um, I started cycling recreationally and uh, started doing rag bry and and um you know I, I i had some friends that were racing and and said gee you know i know you come from a run background and you're you're a decent biker can you swim and i was like well i can get across the pool without drowning <laughs> so <laughs> and uh well you should try a race and and so um after a little prodding i decided to and and the rest is history. Wow, that's great. Uh, how much time do you spend training? Well, that depends on um, you know what type of an event I'm training for and what at what point in the season it is. But I I, I race long course or ultra distance. It's also referred to the Ironman distance most often. And in my recent years, that's my favorite distance. I like that the best. And um, and typically my races, although this year is a little bit different, but typically my races are in the late summer, early fall. And so um, at this time of the year, it would be considered off season. So in the off season, maybe 12, 12 hours a week. And then in the heat of the season, when I'm building up in my highest volume before a race, maybe 20, a little over 20 hours a week. That's intense. It's kind of a part-time job. Yeah. <laughs> definitely a part-time job yeah. so um a triathlon consists of swimming and then biking and then running so which of these three sports do you enjoy the most or maybe all of them but well i like to do them all um uh, running in the past years has been a little difficult for me because i would i had an injury that i was dealing with and it was it hurt to run i've since had that fixed so i'm happy about that and i'm starting to enjoy running again finally 
but I, I would say I'm I'm the strongest at, at cycling. I'm a pretty strong cyclist and um, and it, very competitive at it. And and I enjoy it. I like to ride my bike. I'm, a good day for me is to get out on the bike for five six hours and just play. And on a side note, uh, I don't know if the listeners know, but Jenny and I are actually friends. And it's terrifying when she calls me up and says, <laughs> hey, I've, I'm not going to be training tonight. Do you want to go for a bike ride? And so my first thought is, oh, hell no, because a bike ride to her is like, you know, 30 miles an hour or something. And <laughs> not quite. a bike ride for me is, you know, 10 miles and then grab a beer. And then, you know, she's like, oh, come on, I won't go fast. And so then my second thought is, ah, I, you know, I ride my bike all the time. I'll be fine. And that quickly leads into my third terror again, where I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? And then we end up having a blast, don't we? We always do. <laughs> um, so when you're training or when you're actually in event, either one, how would you describe the mental game? I think the, the mental game starts with just getting out there. Um, probably for most, the hardest thing is just to get out, get off the couch, get out of the house and get out and do it. And that requires some discipline, and but really that consistency and that willingness to work is is mental, you know. Because once you're there, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Like you know, my big, the toughest thing for me is getting up in the morning and jumping into a cold pool. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Once I'm in there, I'm fine. But just getting out is is the hardest. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. And then in an event like the Ironman. Um, from a mental perspective, you just have to stay in the moment. You can't obsess about what could go wrong. What you know, down, you can't obsess about things that are in the future. You really need to stay in the moment and deal with what you're dealing with right now. And um, it's you know, it, when you're struggling, you think of mechanics. When things get hard, you you know, you just have to talk yourself and know that you're gonna. It's gonna get better and you know mentally just stay strong and in an event like Ironman that's that can be tough because it's a long day mm-hmm. I don't know of anything I can do for 17 hours straight well fortunately I've never had to do it for 17 <laughs> hours so <laughs> that that would be a struggle I that to me would be a really long day yeah. and so I'm I'm happy that I've never had to experience that and I have seen videos when um you know everyone stays and cheers on those last participants who mm-hmm. are coming in mm-hmm. it's like you know kind of get, brings tears to your eyes it does it's so it's, overwhelming it's incredibly inspirational I I make a point every race I do to go back at the finish and cheer the cheer the um you know the last hour finishes on because they need it yeah sure well, what keeps you motivated to continue? You know, I, I think there's it, there's a variety of things. I, I like um, I, I like feeling fit and being healthy, and it's you know from a health perspective, it's very very good for me. It's a huge stress relief for me. It's kind of my therapy when I'm having a tough day or under a lot of stress at work or whatever. For me, getting out and blowing off steam, running or biking is is my best medicine. Um, I like the sense of adventure that comes with racing and competing. I'm kind of a adrenaline junkie. I, I like doing new things. I like the adventure. I like to compete. So that keeps me coming back. Um, and I've been fortunate that I'm competitive. And then lastly, but not by all means, probably the most important is the community. Um, mm. The triathlon community is a big mm-hmm. family. You know, every race I go to, I know people from all over the country. And and, in a place like Kona, I know people from all over the world Mm -hmm. and have become friends and at camps and that type of thing. And, you know, my 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 best friends are the people I train with. Mm -hmm. 
So that's awesome. So switching gears specifically to bicycling, I don't know if you know this, but I believe my first RAGBRAI, you were on my team. So I kind of feel like that's where we met, was on my very first RAGBRAI. Oh, I remember it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was, it was my, I think it w- might have been my first RAGBRAI, too. Oh, oh, that's yeah. so cute. So Maybe not, but it, oh, no, it wasn't, actually. Okay. I had done one prior to that. Okay, so it was my first RAGBRAI. I believe it was like 1996, but, um, and you were a beast even then. I don't even think you were doing triathlons at the time. Nope, nope, I wouldn't but have But you were still like... you're an amazing athlete Um, and actually now that I mention it you were you were also uh, got me inspired to do my first sprint triathlon which is a teeny tiny mini triathlon Um, so thank you for that it's pretty awesome Uh, how did you get into bicycling specifically you know I can't even really remember that I I started cycling after I moved to Cedar Rapids and maybe because I didn't have a car when I first moved here (laughs) I'm not sure, but I uh, I bought a bike and started biking, and um, you know I had mutual friends that rode, and then then it was oh maybe we should do rag pry one year, and we did that, and it was super fun, and and it just kind of went from there. I ended up doing rag pry I think 16 years in a row, and and you know I guess the rest is history. I don't mm-hmm. really remember any specific moment in time where I grew to love cycling, but mm-hmm. I always have. Excellent. And now, uh, when you're not maybe training for an event, uh, are there times when you're biking just for fun? Oh, yeah. And yeah. what kind of bikes do you ride? Well, a variety. I, ha- <laughs> I, like, I, like, I have a cyclocross bike, and I like to get that out on the gravel. Uh, riding this time of the year in the fall on the gravel is so fun. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't have to worry about traffic. Um, the leaves are beautiful. It, it's just fun to get out in the crisp, clean air. Um, the one minor exception is when you're riding out on those country roads, you have to deal with a lot of dogs. Oh, and, sure. And one time I got stuck by myself and was being chased by a pack <laughs> of dogs. And that was a little scary. But usually I've got people with me that, you know, can help out there. Sure. So I do that. Um, I, frankly, I like to ride my old beater road bike on the trail and hit, hit a few bars, mm-hmm. hit the sag wagon, hit the, you know, hit the places on the, yep. on the trail. I love that. Meet up with friends. Um, I also have a fat bike and I love riding my fat bike. I was the biggest winter hater on the planet yes. before I bought my fat bike. And now I'm like a little kid every weekend <laughs> riding my fat bike in the snow. I love it. So now I'm not afraid of the cold anymore. I'll get out and it's, it's been really, really nice for me to, to try to embrace or to kind of embrace winter now because of that bike. Definitely. So, so you're a year-round cyclist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I ride yeah. year-round. And, you know, in the wintertime when I'm specifically training for a race, um, I ride indoor on my trainer a lot. But I'm guessing that's probably not super fun compared to the others. <laughs> well, it's, I wouldn't call it fun. It's tolerable. Yeah. Uh, I got I got a pretty good pain cave set up, and so I watch Netflix. Sure. <laughs> I binge watch <laughs> terrible shows on Netflix. <laughs> okay, well, when you look at Ragbri, uh, it's well known for pie. What would you say is your favorite pie? Maybe... Uh, Chocolate silk pie? Ooh, with the curly things yeah, at the top. Yeah, Yum. Maybe, yeah. And the good crust. Yes. Ooh, that sounds great. Yeah. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's you, been a pleasure. You bet. Well, listeners, I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology from the banker's axiom. In order to get a loan, you must first prove you don't need one. 
think about it. Hey, Just Go Bikers. This is Andrea, and this is Parrot Talk. Today, I'd like to talk to you as kind of a continuation of my recent Parrot Talk about how to lock your bike. What do you do if your bike gets stolen? I mean, aside from the obvious, hunt them down and make them pay. But there's a couple things you can do ahead of time that help make it more likely for you to get your bike back. First of all, record your purchase. If you're buying a brand new bike, keep that receipt, take a photo of you with the bike, establish that that bike is yours. That is your bike. You bought it. You own it. Um, it's a little bit more difficult if you do um, a Craigslist transaction or, you know, buy it just person to person, but take a photo of you with your bike and, you know, post it on Facebook on that day, or maybe not, maybe just email it to yourself on that certain day. Um, kind of depends. There are security risks with posting pictures of yourself with the bicycle on Facebook. If it's a public post, then people will know that you have this valuable piece of equipment. So it's, you may want to consider not doing that. Um, but somehow record that that bike was yours on this specific day um, and establish that you have ownership of that bicycle. Um, you could take another step for, further by um, recording the serial number off that bike. I would 100% recommend having the serial numbers for all of your bikes in an easy-to-access location, preferably on the Internet so that if there is a catastrophic fire at your home, heaven forbid, or something like that, you'll still have that number written down. I mean, saved, not really written down. You know what I mean? Um, take a photo of the serial number, also record that number, just have that number on lock because that's the one thing that will identify that bike as 100% yours. Can the serial number be filed off of the bike? Yes, but it's just a layer of protection, a way to possibly ensure that that bike can be re-returned to you. Re-returned to you? You know what I mean. Anyway, you can also register your bike with the city. Now, this is a totally different topic than getting a bicycle operator's license. That's more of a controversial thing. That's more of a Mark Wyatt thing. But you can register your bike with the city. And usually you give them the serial number, maybe a proof of purchase, um, your address, your phone number. And they usually give you like a little foil sticker to put on your bike. Um, again, can that sticker be peeled off your bike? Probably. But if the bike is found and it has that sticker or the bike is found and the police can record the serial number, then that makes it just that much easier to get that bike back to you. Um, you should always, if your bike is missing, the number one first thing to do is report it to the police. They don't know you're looking for the bike unless you tell them. Um, you know, I don't care if you're Mr. Stick it to the man, Mrs. Stick it to the man, and you don't want to, you know, work with them. Seriously, they're on your side. Work with them. Let them know that you're looking for your bike. They find, they bust people that have stolen, you know, multiple bikes all the time um, for other things. You know, bad guys do bad things and they will, they may get busted. And if the bike, fi the police find um, a big pile of bikes, they'll look through and they'll look at the serial numbers. And, you know, if you've already registered your bike, that's just makes it that much easier to get it back to you faster. Um so yeah, report your bike missing immediately. And then it's possible they may even, if it's um, a fresh deal, they may even see your bike being transported in the back of a truck or the 
idiotic, stupid thief riding it around town or, you know, stashed behind a dumpster or stashed behind someone's house. The point being that immediately after a bike is stolen, it's usually out and about, either being transported to a storage location, being dumped. Um, It's maybe in a way easier to find immediately. They don't have time to repaint it. They don't have time to file off serial numbers. Um, The first couple of hours after a bike is stolen is the easiest time to find it. Um, You probably, if your bike is valuable, either historically like an antique or monetarily like um, one of those carbon fiber awesome hardcore bikes, um, you might want to insure it. You know, a lot of homeowners insurance and a lot of renters insurance will cover it. Um, But you need to check with your insurance policy to see. Um, You may need to send them photos of the bike and specifically let them know that you have this bike ahead of time just in case. Um, Because if the unthinkable happens and your bike is stolen and they can't find it, then at least you can kind of start to rebuild that hole in your heart, that massive gaping wound in your heart where that bike used to be, Um, you know, and try to move on and find another cute little bicycle to fill that hole in your life. Because um, you're going to want to move on. You're going to you're gonna want to keep biking. Don't let those bike thieves stop you from biking, you know. Don't let them hold you back. You know, you want to keep get back out there on the road eventually. Um, if your bike is really super awesome, you may need to p- bring out an ex- or take out an extra policy to cover it, just depending on how much it's worth. I mean, I don't know about you, Mr. Moneybags, if you have a really cool bike. Um, but none of my bikes really fall under that realm, but... Um, they're covered under my homeowner's insurance because not for me, not only are they a big part of my life, but they're a big part of my job too. So I want to make sure that they're covered. Um, that being said, don't take my bike. Um, so like I said, report it. Um, some people say that you should put a little laminated piece of paper with your name and phone number, like inside the seat tube or inside the handlebars or somewhere that um, if your bike is stolen and then worked on by a professional mechanic, they, could, they might find that little piece of paper and get a hold of you. Um, kind of seems like a Hail Mary to me. Um, if it makes you feel better, do it, though. You know, couldn't hurt anything. Um, as long as you don't introduce any moisture to the inside of your, you know, aluminum bike, you know, or steel bike. Um, sorry. I know chemistry. <laughs> um, anyway, you know, so you don't rust out your bike by doing this. Um you know, you could do it. It might as might as well. I've never done it with any of my bikes, but I just a little tip I saw on the internet. Um, but what does the internet know? Um, so then after your bike is, you know, hopefully your bike never gets stolen. But if it is, keep an eye on um, Facebook Marketplace. Keep an eye on Craigslist. Keep an eye on pawn shops. Um, you know, if the, the police are looking out for it, that's a good way to go. But so they can't look everywhere all the time, and they have a lot of stuff going on. Um, you might as well try to, um, you know, just keep an eye out for your bike. Um, just keep an eye out on the street. You know, maybe you'll see it. Maybe you'll see someone riding a bike that looks suspiciously like suspiciously like the same shape of your bike, um, but could have been recently painted, you know. And if you find anything that looks like your bike, let the police know, and they can investigate it. Don't get yourself into any sort of, like, um, dangerous situation just because you think you've seen your bike. And, you know, there are multiple bikes that look just like yours out there, probably. Not for sure, but probably. So, you know, don't accuse anyone of anything until you're sure that it's your bike. 
are sure that it could be your bike and then involve the police so that they can investigate for you. Um, another good way to keep an eye out for a stolen bike is to join a Facebook group such as Stolen Bike Iowa, which um, is kind of a hive mind for both keeping an eye out for other people's stolen bikes and reporting your own stolen bike so that, um, you know, you never know if someone might see something that could help lead the police to your bike or lead you to track down your bike. Um, and you can help other people out too. I mean, I know I'm always checking out other people's bikes to kind of see what they got, you know, see how cool it is, see how it compares to my bike, how my bike is cooler, whatever. Um, and you might see something that you think, oh shoot, I saw that on stolen bikes. Um, you know, stolen bikes, Iowa. Uh, maybe you let them know, you know, if you see someone's bike that you think is stolen, let them know because I'm sure they're uh, wishing their baby was back home again. So anyway, those are a couple of ways that you can both prevent your bike from being stolen and also try to get it back, um, to do something to try to get it back. Um, if it ever is heaven forbid stolen. Um, if you have any other ideas that you'd like to share about bike, how to recover a stolen bike, you can get a hold of us at Just Go Bike on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just leave a little comment on the post that has this um, podcast episode on it. Or you can send me a tweet at ragby underscore Andrea. I love chatting with you. Um, or if you have a question about bike theft, um, bikes, anything really, you can send us an email at justgobikepodcast at gmail.com and I will talk to you there. Um, love to hear your questions. Love to hear your comments. Love to hear any anything you'd like to hear me talk about. Um, but for now, I'll squawk at you later. We've come to the end of another edition of the Just Go Bike Podcast. Glad you can join us uh, each and every week while we talk about, you know, cycling just for the fun of it. So uh, it's always great to catch up. Mark, uh, sitting here, uh, just a really rough day, 80 degrees, light breeze coming off the Gulf of Mexico, sitting here in sunny St. Pete Beach, Florida, getting ready for the National Bicycle Tourism Conference. Mm -hmm. And uh, really just looking forward to all this this week ahead that's um, just bringing in people from all over the world to talk about Cycling for the fun of it. That's pretty much what we do on this podcast each and every week. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, that would help us out quite a bit. Leave your comments. Um, Apple, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, all the your favorite podcast purveyors, we're going to have us. Or you can listen to uh, touch base with us at, at Jesco Bike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, of course, we, we want to see those subscriptions. Um, so be sure to subscribe, be sure to leave your comments. And if you have questions or, or comments, just let us know. Cause mm. we want to, we want to keep in touch. And two thirds of our sponsors will actually be at this conference. So obviously we have Craig Cooper with us right now, Craig and April, uh, from bikes to you in Grinnell, great bike shop, also a, a bike charter for, for Ragbri and just good all around people. We're also going to have our friends from Primal rolling in probably the next day or two. Dave Edwards, Tim Baker, they're coming down. I think uh, Taylor Ross as well. Uh, I think we have a volleyball rematch with those boys coming up too. So um, looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for custom apparel or just great cycling apparel, look no farther than Primal Wear. Great company out of Denver, Colorado. And last but not least, Think Iowa City. And the Iowa City Corville Convention Visitor Bureau, which put on some great events that we've been a part of, obviously, like Grand Gable and the UCI World Cup of Cyclocross. So, um, 
great sponsors. Appreciate all you do to keep this podcast running each and every week. All right, to take you out, I got a little quote. This is from Heinz Stuckey. Heinz. He's a German long-distance touring cyclist. So so not terribly famous as far as I know, but this is a great quote. It is the unknown around the corner that turns my wheels. Uh, That's good. Words to live by. I think we'll have to do some of that here in St. Pete Beach. Yeah, let's just go bike. All right. again for listening let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review they really help us out a lot and help others find the show for more information check out justgobike.net the show's theme song was written produced and performed by ryan steer